series, a two-part series, on the Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments Part 1 and Ten Commandments Part 2. So we'll look at the first 11 verses of Exodus chapter 20 this morning. Hear the word of the Lord. Then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above or that is on earth below or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I am the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children of the iniquity uh, for the iniquity of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who reject me, but showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work. You, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, or the alien resident in your town. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We are trying to make it a point to enjoy all the different times and seasons of, of our lives together as family and kids grow up and move off and do all kinds of things like that. But it's fun to go back and remember when the kids were little and we were all together and we decided as a family that we were going to take turns doing the blessing. Uh, I wanted the kids to learn that it was okay for them to, to pray and to say the blessing. It wasn't always the daddy preacher's turn. It was their turn sometimes too. And so things kind of got creative. And a lot of times we would sing our blessings. And uh, I'm going to share a couple of our favorites with you. This is the Superman blessing. Thank you, God, for giving us food. Thank you, God, for giving us food. For the food we eat and the friends we meet. Thank you, God. Amen. <laughs> God. Some of you back there in the back were going with me. You've done that before. Okay. And now, I know that you want to participate with this one. This is the Adams Family Blessing. Ready? Get your snappers ready. Da-da-da-dum. 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 We thank you, Lord, for giving the things we need for living, like food and fun and friendship. We thank you, Lord. Amen. Da 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 da. 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 Let's eat. Oh, we had so much fun with that. And uh, we had the Flintstones blessing, the Scooby Doo blessing, the Jeopardy blessing, and that all fun. Okay, I'll do one more. All right. <laughs> this is this is the Jeopardy blessing. God is great and God is good. Let us thank him for our food by his 
his hands we all are fed. Thank you, Lord, for daily bread. That's one of my favorites because it kind of riffs off of the first one I ever learned. You remember the first one you ever learned as a child? God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for this food. That is the most profound, simple blessing because of those first ten words. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him. Because it says something about God. And the reason I'm talking about this is because this is what the Ten Commandments uh, does. It, it tells us something about God. It answers the two big questions that we have our whole life long is, how do I relate to this God who is great and this God who is good? And then the second question is, how do I relate to my neighbor, this person that God brings across my path? Uh, so turns out that because God is great and because God is good that God lays out some boundaries for us to live by and we call them the Ten Commandments and this week we're going to look at the first four which are all about how we relate to this God who is great this God who is good next week we're going to look at the last six which has to do all about how we relate to one another okay our neighbors and so I, I, I think we need to start by investigating a couple of big misconceptions when it comes to the Ten Commandments. Um, there are some, the first one is this, there are some folks who just look at the Ten, Ten Commandments as another list of rules. Okay, I've got rules at work, I've got rules on the highway, the speed limit, and all that, this is just another set of rules. I think this is just way too shallow of a way to look at the Ten Commandments. Now they do include some thou shalts and thou shalt nots, but they're not just a bunch of rules. They're not just there to keep us from having fun. They're boundaries that God gives because remember, God is great and God is good. When I was a kid, I used to love to go with my mom uh, on the day that she would go to the beauty shop. And I don't know if people say this anymore, but in the 60s, uh, it would be mom is going to get her hair fixed. Do people still get their hair fixed? Maybe so, I don't know. But we would go to uh, my cousin Willie Mae's beauty shop. And Willie Mae was a character in herself. This is, again, this is late 60s. Willie Mae was mod. She had a beehive hairdo and these funky glasses. She was always wearing like leopard print. She had long fingernails and she smoked long, thin cigarettes. And she was just, I didn't know she was cool or I was scared of her. Uh, <laughs> She was just a character, and she did my mom's hair, and it took a while. So the reason I like to go was not to sit in the beauty, uh, the beauty shop, but it was to go next door to my Uncle Jake's farm. And he had so many cool things for a boy to explore. It was wonderful. And so I would go, and then Mom would give me the rules, right? She would say, now you can go here, but you can't go there. And I don't care if you go to the barn, that's okay. But don't you go to see your Uncle Jake's coon dogs. Yes, Mama, yes, Mama. And then the minute I stepped out of that beauty shop, it was like, freedom! What am I gonna do? I could go. The barn was such a great place because my, my Uncle Jake was a trapper and a hunter, and he would trap these animals and then he would dry the hides 
And so on the, the barn were all of these hides, these different animals that he trapped. And he, he, didn't, he didn't kill everything that he trapped. Sometimes he would turn it loose. He, he caught in a big trap one time a bobcat. And I, I went to see the bobcat thinking it was going to be, oh, I like kitty cats. Those things are fierce. Stay away from them. Even though they look cute, they will. Whew, I would. So I learned about the bobcats. But of all the places I could go on Uncle Jake's farm, you know what the one place that I really wanted to go was? The one place I wasn't supposed to go. So down the little trail I went, listening to the, to the really unique sounds of, of coon dogs. Uh, really, they're really unique bass. And so I go down, and there are the coon dogs. And they are all chained to the, their area, to their dog houses. And so I uh, thought I was just going to be Mr. Smarty Pants, I guess, and go up. And I would make fun of them. They'd go, Roo, and I would go, Roo, you know, and that would make them just go even louder. And then I thought, even a little bit more brave, I would kind of sneak up and do the hand, 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 and run away like that. <laughs> now, some of you are acting like you've never done something like that before. <laughs> but I did. But just like... Just like the Looney Tunes commercial where, uh, the Looney Tunes cartoon, where Foghorn Leghorn misjudges the length of the rope from the dog's house. I did that one too often, and not being known for great speed, I could not escape, and one of those dogs got me on the back of the calf, ripped a hole in my blue jeans, got my leg, or broke the skin a little bit with my leg, not enough to really hurt me. But you want, I mean, I was shedding big old tears, not just because of my blue jeans got ripped and I, my leg hurt a little bit, but now I had to go back to the beauty shop and tell mom, and there was no getting around it, no getting around it, and I got what I expected to get from my mom, and then I got a little cherry on top. Then I got to go to the doctor and get a tetanus shot. And y'all, I can't tell you how bad I hated needles and still almost do that bad. And so that was a really, really bad day. But what if I had just stopped for a minute and thought, you know, what if I had said, Mom, why are you giving me these boundaries anyway? And my mom would have put her hands on her hips and said, I'm your mother, that's why. And I love you. You see, she wasn't giving me boundaries because she wanted to keep me from having fun. She was giving me boundaries first because I was hurt. Do you hear that? I was hurt. Second, because she loved me. And you know, it's the same way with God. If you listen to the words of how the Ten Commandments begin, it says... I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Therefore, you shall have no other gods before me. I'm telling you this because you belong to me. I'm telling you this because I love you. Don't put anything else in the spot that's reserved for God. These aren't rules just to keep us from having fun. They are a call to trust the God who is great and the God who is good. 
the God who loves us. So we're not talking about rules here. We're talking about a relationship with somebody that loves us. So second misconception about Ten Commandments is that the Ten Commandments are just another historical list that have something to do with the foundation of our society's laws. Now, I, I know that, that some of our civil laws have been taken uh, honestly from, uh, from the Ten Commandments. And I also don't have to tell, I realize I'm saying this in Etowah County, I don't have to tell you about the brouhaha over the Ten Commandments being on the courthouse wall, do I? If I was in the other parts of the state, I might have to explain that a little bit more. But the idea that you can say, okay, well, to the secularist, look, don't, don't get bothered by this because this is just another historical document along with, say, the Declaration of Independence or the National Anthem or quotes from our founding fathers. I understand how some might want to say that, but I got a real problem with that because the first four Ten Commandments are all about God to try to remove the God of Israel from the Ten Commandments would be to try to, like trying to remove Christ from the Beatitudes. You just can't do it. This is not a secular historic document. It is a call from the God who made us to be in relationship with him and to give us, to give us boundaries. So, all right, if Ten Commandments aren't just a list of rules and they're, they're not just a historical document, what are they? And here's what I believe they are. They are a call by God who is great and a God who is good to his own people to live in a particular and peculiar way in relation with him and relation with each other. Now, the Old Testament uh, rabbis were no stranger to laws. As a matter of fact, they they took the Ten Commandments and they turned them into 613 commandments, right? 613. Anybody think they could remember 613? I have enough trouble remembering where I parked the car, much less 613. Thank God that Jesus came along and said, look, if you can't remember 613 and you can't even remember 10, could you just remember two? Because the, the man asked Jesus, uh, what the most important commandment was. And Jesus in Matthew 22 said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That's the greatest one. That's the foremost one. The second is like it. You shall what, love your neighbor as yourself. And if you do those two, all the law and the prophets hang on those two. Could you just, could you just remember those two? Because the first four commandments of the Ten Commandments are all about how do I love God with all my heart, my soul, and my mind. And the last six are how do I love my neighbor as myself. See how that all fits together? The first four commandments are all about a very particular, jealous God who is not going to share the stage with any other gods. That's the number one. I am the Lord your God. You will have no other gods before me. The number two uh, commandment is just like it. It says, you shall not make for yourself an idol. And then the number three has to do with misusing God's name. You shall not take the Lord of your God, the name of your Lord in vain. I would group these three, the first three, you could group them together. Uh, and they all point to this one truth, that God is a jealous God. 
Maybe that makes you a little uncomfortable to hear that. And maybe it's because you have experienced jealousy in, in, in the human form in a negative way. Maybe it, 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 jealousy broke a relationship up. You had some, someone that just was so afraid that you were going to run off with somebody else. Or, because jealousy can be a very, uh, a very damaging emotion when it's used in the wrong way. But jealous here in, in the original word is, in the original Hebrew, it means ardent and zeal. It means ardent zeal. It means passion and intensity. God loves us with passion and intensity, so much so that God cannot abide us chasing after another God. If you have a husband or a wife, wouldn't you want that person to have a passionate devotion towards you? Wouldn't you want someone that you care about to care if you were running around after somebody else? Wouldn't you want that person to care? The jealousy that God has is not something that springs from insecurity on God's part. God just knows that these other gods, gods with a little g, these other things that we chase after, these other things that we lift up to a position that only belongs to him would ultimately destroy us in some way. And God loves us too much to let us do that. Remember, God is great and God is good. And there's only one way to respond to a God like that. And that's where the fourth commandment comes in. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Sabbath is not a word we use very much outside of the church, but here's what it means. It means three things. It means rest, worship, and refreshment. Will you say that out loud back with me? Rest, worship, and refreshment. So because of God's great love and goodness toward us, he has called us to rest. Even the slaves and animals were to be rested on the Sabbath. And you know why God wants us to rest? Because God knows we need it. Can I get an amen on that? Have you ever been around a, a grumpy child that needed a nap? They were fussy and they were grumpy. Have you ever been around a grumpy adult that needed a nap? And they were fussy and they were grumpy? Like... Why don't you go take a nap? You need some rest. As a response of God's goodness and love toward us, he wants us to worship because it feeds our soul. It feeds our soul. This music, this space, this prayer time, the scripture, the fellowship, all of the, the ritual, which is the work of the people of God, it all feeds us in a way that we can't get anywhere else. And finally, when we rest and when we worship, it brings refreshment to us, body, mind, and spirit. And we need refreshment, don't we? One of my seminary professors, Dan Bruner, was talking to our class one day, and he was talking about the fourth commandment. And uh, he, he said... And I love how he expresses this about the Sabbath. He says, the Sabbath is a day to worship God and to do what my body and soul tell me I need to do. 
It might be that I need to sit on the back porch and watch the birds. It might be that I need to spend some time in the floor playing Barbie dolls with my granddaughter. It might be that I need to work in my garden and I need to play in the dirt a little bit, as my wife says. It might be I need to go for a long walk or I need to pick up the phone and call my best friend. What does my body and soul tell me I need to do? That's what refreshes me on Sabbath. And then after Professor Bruner told us that, he looked all of us preachers in the eye and he said these words. He said, ministers are the worst Sabbath breakers in the world. Our eyes got kind of big at the weight of that. But you know, it's it's right on because the day that's typically set apart for Sabbath, Sunday, well, guess what's one of our busiest days? Sunday, you know. And guess what else he told us? He said, not only are you the worst Sabbath breakers, your people will reward you for being the worst Sabbath breakers around. They'll say, oh, our preacher just works so hard. So I want to tell you something. I confess to you. I sometimes have to work at that, taking the Sabbath. And let me ask you, how are you doing at Sabbath keeping? How are you doing at setting aside time for rest and for worship and for refreshment? How are you doing with the first three? Is there anything else in your life that is exalted to a position that only belongs to God? Remember, God is telling us this because we are his. And he loves us. This is not about rules. It's about a relationship. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, and you are our Heavenly Father. Thank you for the boundaries that you set for us. If we, even if we don't understand, help us to trust you because you are great and you are good. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our closing hymn is number 467.